Welcome to All Access Network Podcast. So excited that you decided to join us. You will absolutely love and you're in for a treat for today's guest. Uh, we are on a mission to positively impact the world through sports and culture. We're a multimedia network, we're a YouTube channel, uh, a podcast, and we also have live shows. Uh, if you haven't followed us on YouTube, you can find us at uh, All Access Network. If you haven't followed us on Twitter, you can find us at All Access underscore net, uh, where we also do some of our live shows uh, along with Facebook at All Access Network. But so excited to have you with us today. Uh, we love for people to be able to write their story, uh, leave their mark, and create their legacy. We're on a mission. We appreciate you joining us. And again, please share, like, and subscribe uh, whenever you get a chance. And stay on this journey with us. It's going to be an awesome ride. I want to take time to acknowledge one of our partners, Rising Coaches. Every coach wants to rise in their career in one way or another. We're all looking for professional development, access to tools, and relationships that can help us grow and help us advance in our career. Rising Coaches provides just that. You can visit Rising Coaches at www.risingcoaches.com. Their memberships are just $10 a month and provides a genuine community to help you grow and advance in your career. Today, we sit down with Greg Young, Associate Head Coach from University of Texas at Arlington. Man, I, my career goes back to the very beginning before I was even a college coach. Uh, I was coaching grassroots and I met this man and he's never changed up. He's always been 100 solid. Uh, he's the truth teller. He's a competitive coach. He's a championship coach. He's just one of those coaches that really gets it. He gets the behind the scenes, he gets the day-to-day, -day, he gets relationships, he gets recruiting, high-level coach. He's been a JUCO head coach uh, many times at many places, and I just can't say enough about the quality of person he is. Uh, I think anything he touches turns to W's, and he's done a tremendous job at UT Arlington under multiple staffs, along with his time uh, as a head coach in junior college. Uh, been a great friend, been a great mentor, and can't wait for you guys to get to know why and see why he is voted the number one assistant coach in his conference. So welcome to All Access Coaches Corner. Got a special guest today, Coach Greg Young, associate head coach at UT Arlington. Uh, I've known Coach Young since before I even got started in college coaching. He, uh, he recruited a player of mine, Anthony Smith, who's still playing pro to this day. Coach Young was at Texas State. I was coaching uh, an AU organization that I had started called Dallas Hoop Dreams. And one of the rare few people that I still have a great relationship with to this day. He was awesome back then recruiting Anthony. And uh, he's actually gotten better with time. I'll give him credit. He's, he's gotten better. So uh, he's been uh, tremendous to me in my career. He's done a phenomenal job everywhere he's been. Uh, one of the more respected but yet underappreciated guys, in my opinion, in this profession. And uh, super excited to have him here today. Uh, has won championships uh, at UT Arlington, has been a head coach at multiple stops, um, has also – I got to coach against him in junior college in the good old days and did a great job there too. And was recently just recognized as being the number one assistant coach uh, voted by his peers on a poll by Jeff Goodman. Um, 
here recently in the Sunbelt Conference. So without further ado, welcome Coach Young. Hey, Coach. Hey, good morning, Brian. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for the introduction. Um, uh, I feel the same way about you. You know, when I was recruiting Anthony back in uh, 2001 or two, I can't remember. There was this young guy had a little had a little bounce in his step and a smile on his face. <laughs> and then it ended up being you. And I was like, hey, this guy's going places. And so uh, so the, the relationship has been my pleasure for sure. And it has grown over the years and our paths have crossed. And uh, and and that's an awesome thing. That's what makes coaching great. Yeah, absolutely. And just recruiting the Metroplex and being in junior college. And, you know, as I didn't know what I was doing, and I don't know if I ever figured out what I was doing in college coaching, but – uh, definitely one of those voices and one of those people I would call just to get some truth and some wisdom, you know, that uh, had already had experiences, uh, saw the best in people, definitely saw the best in me. I don't really know how or why, but uh, he always did. And this was always a great sounding board for when I did things well, when I didn't, when I was trying to figure it out, when I thought I had it figured out. So uh, I know you impact a lot of people the same way you did me. So we'll kind of get going in the beginning to say who is – Coach Greg Young. Well, that, that's a great question. I appreciate you having me on because uh, uh, I, I, I I love talking about coaching. Uh, I, you know, I'm sort of a you know we talked about it through you know through the years. Is you know sometimes it's important to be an advocate for coaches. Coaches need to help coaches. We don't do that enough. No, we don't. Um, and, and we should. And we get so competitive. We get so locked into you know trying to to do what we have to do and that's wins and losses. I get it. That's the business part of it. But, you know, we hope, I hope personally that I, I will be remembered or impact people more than just wins and losses. Uh, you know, and that's, uh, that's why I think these forums are great, but uh, I've been coaching 34 years, uh, which I, when I say that it, it's amazing. 33 of those years have been at the collegiate level. I've had the privilege of coaching at nearly every uh, level of college basketball. I was a junior college head coach for 10 years. Uh, I was a uh, NAI assistant for three or four years. I was a division two assistant for three or four years. And now I've been uh, going on my 17th year as a division one assistant. So I've sort of seen the gamut, you know, of college coaching and, and uh, enjoyed every aspect of it. Uh, I graduated from college in 1986 from Howard Payne University, uh, Little Harvard in the West. Uh, I don't know if I graduated with any academic honors, but I did graduate. I, I waited about six or seven years. There was a moratorium. I didn't want to go back to Brownwood. I was afraid they may make me want to go back to class or something. So I stayed away for a little bit. But but we played in the old Lone Star Conference. And I really didn't know anything about college coaching. I was just going to be a high school coach. My dad was a high school coach. And, and uh, you know, my mentors and the people I looked up to, the people I were around were high school coaches. But my college coach and my high school coach said, hey, look, you, you need to get to college. And uh, I didn't know how to do that. And they helped me get a job as a graduate assistant at Texas Wesleyan University in Fort Worth. And they said, hey, you need to get your master's. You need to stay to try to stay in college basketball. And this was in the mid 80s. And I'm like, OK, I really didn't know. So I did it. And uh, I spent four years at Texas Wesleyan. I got an opportunity to work for a guy named Charles Jolly was a good guy. It was a Boyd Grant guy who just recently passed away. And those people out in the West, especially in Colorado State, they know who Boyd Grant was. And and Charlie was really good to me. He took care of me. He helped me learn the business a little bit. He made sure that I got my master's degree. 
Then I spent a year coaching high school and I was uh, satisfied doing that, thought that that's what I would do the rest of my life. And then I actually took a job in Hawaii. I took a job at Hawaii-Loa University, which no longer no longer exists. And so I'd sold my car. I was you know single. I was fired up. And a guy named Dennis Harp hooked me up with a guy named Earl Diddle at Eastern New Mexico uh, University, which was in the Lone Star Conference, which I was familiar with. I'd played in it. And uh, so I took the job at Eastern and, and I was there three years. And Earl Diddle is where I really learned about college basketball coaching and the wholeness of it and how to run a program and how to be organized on a daily basis. And it's important what you do in March as it is, is what you do in January and February. And, and Earl had a reputation. He'd been at Indiana State and, and was very successful, been the head coach at Wabash Valley, a very successful head coach at Panhandle State and was winning at Eastern. And, uh, you know, we went to a Sweet 16, uh, uh, NCAA Division II Sweet 16 at Eastern New Mexico, won Lone Star Conference Championship, really good players. And, and I learned what it meant when he would say, Greg, you know, this is not all about the players. It's just all about the players. And, it, you know, I would I was always intimidated by him a little bit. So, you know, you never knew how to answer him. But, you know, the more I would get around him and hear those things is like, yeah, there's other things part of a program, but but it's really all back to the players. And uh, first game we ever coached, just a funny story. Uh, I, I, you know, I, like I said, I was a little bit intimidated by coach. He was he got after you a little bit and was a very good coach, was very intense. And so the first game we were playing, we were playing in a tournament in Amarillo, West Texas State tournament. Mark Adams, who's at Texas Tech, was the head coach at West Texas State. And I think we were playing Mississippi College or Missouri Southern or somebody like that. And so we're in the locker room and Earl walks by me, he looks at me, goes, hey, by the way, you're doing all the substitutions. And I just went, what? What did he just say? We had a graduate assistant. and Earl just walked away and the graduate, I asked the GA, I said, what did he just tell me? He says, I think you're doing all the subs. I was petrified. I was mortified. And so we go to the game. I, you know, I didn't, are you kidding me? I mean, my first first game with him. And so sure enough, the game kept going. Guys get a little tired. He didn't move. He wasn't subbing. So I subbed the guy in. And for three years, I subbed for our team. And he never wow. said he never said one word about it. Wow. When, when we beat New Mexico, when we were in NCAA tournament games, he never said a word about substitution in my three years there. And I learned how to be a coach a little bit and time and score and guys and, and how to sub. And, and then I learned from him that, look, it's all about the guys that are on the floor. I'm going to coach the guys the same way. And uh, so I was there for three or four years, took a junior college job at Lamar, Colorado. Um, I'd fallen in love with junior college basketball. I know you have a, you love junior college basketball like I do, but when I, was at, when I was at Texas Western, I got to be a JV coach. We had a JV team. And so I got to take my JV team and get massacred by all the junior colleges around Texas. So we go to Lon Morris and Vic Trilly and Jacksonville and Vernon Harton and Trinity Valley and Leon Spencer and Navarra and Lewis Orr and Odessa and Dennis Helms and Vic, this was back in the eighties. And they all had pros and, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, man, these, these are the best players I've ever seen. And uh, but I fell in love with junior college basketball during that time. And obviously, at Eastern, we recruited junior college players. And so I took the job at Lamar Community College, was there four years, learned how to coach, was a hard job, had five scholarships, no facility. We practiced at six o'clock every morning at a community building. I'd have to get in the van, pick up the players, take them to practice. 
Uh, there was Hall of Fame guys in Region 9 with Jim Topol at Trinidad and Lowell Rump at Northeastern and uh, Bruce Hoffman at Sheridan and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Brad, o- Brad Franz was at Oterra and Bob Davis was at Eastern Wyoming and Soupy Campbell was at Western Nebraska. And these guys all had really good teams. So I learned that, you know, I got some lessons in how to be a head coach and that, you know, when you have – five marbles and they have 10, how do you beat them? And, um, and then I was there for four years, went to Hill College and the job at Lamar prepared me for Hill because we were really good for two years and got beaten a region championship game our second year by Midland, uh, uh, a game, you know, to go to Hutch and really thought we were going to win the game. We had beat them early in the year, but we lost in region championship. And then I was really wanting to be a division one coach for some reason. You know, I just thought that was the next progression of, of, of my career. And so I took the job at Texas State University, which was Southwest Texas with Dennis Nutt, who was a friend of mine and uh, was there five years and made great relationships, coached some really good players, uh, were, you know, were in the fight every year, made this South and Conference tournament every year. But what I found out at, at, at Southwest Texas, Texas State, I really missed being a head coach, that my roots were to be a, you know, I really missed being a junior college head coach. And so uh, you know, but jobs are hard to get. And I missed on some jobs, but I got the Jacksonville College job in East Texas, which I was familiar with. And it was sort of my wheelhouse. What wasn't an easy job, but uh, but it was it was the perfect timing for me. And and I was there four years and was really planning on being a, a head coach. I really was not thinking about being a division one assistant again. I like being a head coach. I was in the process of taking another junior college job when Buzz Williams called and said, hey, G.Y., would you have some interest in, in talking with Scott Cross at UT Arlington? And I'm like, God, you know, coach, man, I, I think I'm good. I'm fixing to take this, this junior college job. It's a better job than what I have. Uh, but I'll go visit with him. And, and I did. And, and I knew Scott. We had a relationship. You know, there were some ties there through Buzz and former players and things like that. And, and it just, it, I, when I walked out of there, I just went, golly, this is this could be a great deal. This is a good, young, energetic coach. We're still playing on a stage, but it was close to my family where I grew up. And and so I took that job, and I've been here now going on 12 years and, and never been anywhere, you know, more than four or five years as a, as a coach or a player. So this is home. Um, and uh, and now I'm here going on our 12th season, obviously working for, for a different head coach, but uh, – um, we can get in that a little bit later. Yeah, love that you uh, show the whole journey. Uh, I think the part that makes part of what makes you good at this, the coaches, you've sat in almost every seat. You know, you've been a head coach, you've been a GA, you've kind of gone the different routes um, to to jump into this thing, and you've been at all levels. So, uh, I've always appreciated your ability to relate and your ability to understand other people's shoes other than your own. Um, and I think you've always kind of stayed grounded with that um, understanding of those lower levels and your humble beginnings. So love that you shared all that. Tell us, uh, so we'll talk a little UTA and then we'll go back to just kind of GY. Um, what makes that place, it's grown a lot over the time you've been there. What makes the place itself? Obviously you work for Coach Ogden now, you work for Coach Cross, that's how you came in. The place itself, what makes it, uh, what it is, what makes it special? Well, you know, and, I, and there's a lot of things, and I didn't know these things when I took the job. I was familiar with with the University of Texas Arlington because obviously growing up in the Metroplex, 
uh, you know, being a, being in the league at Southwest Texas and playing on the stage and they'd always had really good teams and it was hard to play on the stage. And, um, but just the diversity of an urban university and how I have seen it evolve and grow uh, into now more, not only is it, you know, uh, you know, it was always considered a commuter school, but it, you know, it's now more a residential university and the housing and the things that they've done. Um, and just the people that, that, that I met when I got the job, uh, Pete Carlin, our, our, our former athletic director, and some of the older UTA people that were so good to me, and it just made it feel like home. Uh, and you know, Brian, when you have success and you win, and we started doing that after, you know, year two or three, we really started winning. Um, then it, it, it becomes a place that, uh, you know, when you're winning and you've been doing it a long time, like, man, winning's fun. And uh, we had really good players, really good kids, a lot of really good Metroplex kids. Um, Scott had done a really good job. He gave me uh, an opportunity to really coach a lot of autonomy and some things within our program. Obviously, it was all collaborative, the successes, and I was blessed to work with him. And, and uh, he was so competitive and so organized and so detailed, and he had a vision for that program. Uh, and then, you know, we won a Southland Conference championship really recruiting players to the stage. We were 15 and one, got upset in the Southland Conference Tournament, went to the NIT, and then then this, the College Park Center was built. And and it evolved, the job got bigger. Uh, we, we changed conferences, we went to the WAC. Uh, we, we had some success in the WAC, which I thought was a, a great basketball uh, conference or tradition with the Utah States and the Mexico States. And we went all the way to the WAC championship game in that first year and, uh, and had a chance to win it, got beat by New Mexico State. Then we transitioned to the Sun Belt, uh, which was a little different and uh, a little better than I think what we anticipated. And, but three years later, we won a Sun Belt championship and, uh, um, and then, you know, had some disappointment in the tournaments. That was, you know, the one thing that, that's disappointing. We never could break through in some of these tournaments, these conference tournaments, which is in reality what it's really all about at this level. But we were able to you know, win some NIT games and went to the lead eight of the NIT, uh, did some things that were, you know, that had never been done at UT Arlington. And, you know, obviously Scott Cross was, was the leader of that and, uh, and was a big part of it and uh, allowed us to be a part of it with him. And, uh, you know, it was, we had a lot of synergy, you know, I had ch chances to leave and, you know, but really didn't want to. I was happy. My family was happy. We were winning. I worked with good guys. Um, Coach allowed me to coach. Uh, he allowed me to do some things and have a, uh, uh, an impact on our players and our team. And then all of a sudden the business part hit <laughs> and we got fired. And, uh, you know, it was stunning. And, you know, we, we, you know, we couldn't believe it, but it's the business is a business and you trust and adjust. And, uh, you know, life's not fair. And, uh, and so I didn't know what I was going to do. And, uh, you know, two weeks later, you know, Chris Beard at Texas Tech calls me and goes, hey, GY, you know, Chris Ogden's going to get the job. Would you go back to UTA? And I said, absolutely not. I, I, you know, no, I'm not going back. I was, I was disappointed. I was mad. I was all those emotions. Um, but then when I started talking to friends, probably including you in the business, you know, people are like, GY, you know, why wouldn't you go back? You know, you, your daughter's a junior in high school. You like it there. 
And then Chris called me and we had some great conversations and he was humble about it. He embraced our success. Um, and uh, so for the last, you know, two years going on three, you know, I've had the privilege to work with Chris Ogden. He's done a really good job. He was coach of the year, you know, the first year he was there. And it was a hard, you know, circumstance to take over. There was some bitterness and anger. And, uh, we, you know, we lost a really good team. We lost a pro, an NBA draft pick. We lost several pros. We lost an NBA draft pick with Kevin Hervey. And Chris did a good job. We got back to the championship game. He was coach of the year. And so now going on to, you know, year three with Chris, um, you know, we feel like we're sort of on the same page and he's given me the same autonomy and investment in the program. And so I'm allowed to coach. And so that, you know, that makes it exciting because you're never, you, you know, when you're in our positions, my position as the associate head coach, you're only as good as the people you work for. Yep. When I was a junior, junior college head coach, I was only as good as that president was going to allow us to be or wanted us to be. And, uh, you know, they, they can make the ceiling where they want to. So I've been fortunate with, with, uh, with Scott and with Chris, they've allowed me to coach. They've allowed me to have some impact. I hope that I've gotten better of being that servant aspect of it because that's really, really important because I probably didn't do a good job of that. My first go around at Texas State, um, you know, and some lessons learned. But uh, but that's why, you know, I haven't left. It's just been, you know, it's been home. You know, it, it's my daughter grew up here. My daughter graduated from high school here. Uh, you know, people at UTA have been really good. We've had success. We, we live in a great area, um, you know, and it just is, you know, the more you get into the business part of it, you're just like, man, it, it's nice just to be able to, to coach your guys and build relationships and, and hopefully make an impact. I, that's what I look forward to every day is being with our players, being at practice. Um, and, uh, and we've had some really good kids, really good players and forever grateful uh, for my time here at UT Arlington. Yeah, you touched on a lot of stuff there, Coach, and and I want to go back real quick. You said the stage. Some people may <laughs> not know what you meant when you said the stage. They may have thought you meant the opportunity stage. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys literally played on a stage where if you went too far to the left or the right on one side, you would fall off into a crowd of chairs. Correct. Yeah, you, you went to the orchestra, straight to the orchestra pit, man. Exactly. So, exactly. So it, it, yeah, sorry. You're right. I, I take for granted that people understand where we played at Texas Hall was a it was literally a theater and you had the balcony seats and the and the and the seats. And then you they put bleachers on the other side and they had the court that was literally on the stage. So, you know, when you weren't playing basketball, they were doing. Miss Texas pageants on there. And, uh, right, right. and there was a, there was a huge drop off and, and uh, you know, it was a, it was one of the most unique places in college basketball. That's for sure. Maybe. Uh, you know, all, yeah, yeah. And so, but it was a good home court advantage, you know, and that was what I always felt like when I was at Southwest Texas coming to UT Arts, it was always a hard place to play. And then when we came to UTA, we, you know, I, Man, we 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 had it going. We didn't lose many games on the stage, and uh, you know it's sort of like Jacksonville College, and you know sticking them in the dungeon to change clothes. You know, oh, yeah. some some yeah. places, <laughs> you know, some places are hard to win, and and the stage at UT Arlington was was definitely one of the most unique facilities to play college basketball in in the country. Yeah, so unique to have that home court advantage there, and then you know you talked about this with Coach Cross and how you guys 
were in the Southland, won a championship, went to the tournament in the Southland, and then moved to the WAC, then moved to the Sun Belt, and then in the, you went to the championship game in the WAC, and then you went to the Sun Belt, and then you went, you won a championship, at least one, if not, is it is it two or is it one? Correct. No, we, we won a regular season championship in the Sun Belt, and then um, got beat in a Sun Belt championship game tournament yeah, game. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah. So, so definitely, uh, and you had huge upsets uh, that you guys upsets by the other people's standard, not by your standard. Right. Some ranked teams you beat Gonzaga at Gonzaga, if I'm not mistaken. Um, no, no, we beat St. Mary's at St. Mary's. Yeah, West Coast Conference. They were 12th in the country. We beat, you know, we won at Texas, yep. which, you know, as a, as a UT, UT system guide and, you know, as a Texas guy, it's a huge win. We won at Ohio State. We won at Memphis. Um, you know, we won at Bradley twice. We won at Fordham. We, you know, we won at Irvine. We, we had a run there for about four or five years where – you know, the, some of our non-conference wins, the, the prestige of our program just, you know, went through the roof, which was part of the issue of losing our jobs because the expectations got so high right. uh, with some of our wins and, and things we had done and, and the people that were, were coming to watch us play. And, uh, you know, we didn't, we loved it. We didn't want it anywhere, anywhere else but that. But, uh, you know, we won more games uh, than any other university in the state of Texas besides, I think, Baylor and maybe Houston are tied for in about a three or four year period. And and uh, and so we we had we had uh, we had it rolling yep. pretty good. And yep. uh, and uh, but, you know, uh, what goes up has got to come down a little bit. Not that it really ever came down, but sometimes your expectations can uh can get above the reality, you know, right. Per- right. perception, perception is not always reality. Right. And I think that's what happens in our business. You know, we, we've, we've seen it, you've seen it. People that are watching this podcast that are in the business have seen it. And, uh, you know, you hear old coaches say all the time, ah, oh, that's the kiss of death. You've got a brand new facility, you know, they're going to expect this and that. Well, there's some truth to that, you know, and, uh, you better be prepared for, for those things. And, you know, old coaches used to say, well, you, you know, when you take a job, I think an old coach told me one time when I took a junior college job, he says, well, don't win too much too early. Then, you know, their expectations will be unrealistic, right. you know? So um, anyway, that's sort of what happened a little bit is that, you know, because of the games you mentioned in non-conference, because of the, the national recognition. I mean, we were, we were, we were ranked number two in the mid-major uh, poll for two or three years and the only team that was ranked above us, uh, you know, for several weeks in, in, in two or three years was Gonzaga. Yep. You know, we, we were ranked that high. We were, our RPI was, you know, top 30 in the country for two or three years. So um, anyway, we, we, we had a great run at it. We just, we couldn't break the ceiling in the conference tournaments. Um, and, the, and as you know, that's what you're judged by. Yep. And, uh, and we knew that too. So uh, that there's no excuse for that, or we're not making excuses. We knew that, um, and we know it right now for sure. Yeah, just wanted to, I just wanted to kind of share that part because I think um, it's so important when you're building something and you start in the stage and you change conferences and you're doing all this stuff to continue to have success at the level you did. And you had essentially tournament-level wins. I mean, you beat St. Mary's, like you said, on their home court when they were ranked 12 in the country. You beat Texas, which – in the state of Texas, it doesn't get any bigger than playing 
<clears throat> there and getting that upset, um, beat Ohio State, beat Memphis. So you had these NCAA tournament signature wins. You had this conference championship. Just couldn't quite get the ultimate prize in college basketball, but doesn't take away from the elite level of transformation that you guys did at UTA. So I want to give Coach Cross his credit as well. Of course, you know, great man and somebody we all love and respect and, um, you know, wanted to make sure to give him his and he's going to do a great job at Troy as well. Now you work for Coach Ogden. Credit to you as well and to Coach Ogden to be able to make that transition, right? And then you make the transition and you still go to the conference championship game to possibly go to tournament coach gets coach of the year in his first year so it looks different coach is obviously different than coach everybody's different but you guys still did it again but the one constant i have to point to is yourself and and before we get to coach ogden and what makes him great tell us about how your adjustment was and then tell us a little bit about um what it was like to get recognized by uh, the Jeff Goodman poll to be recognized as the number one assistant coach in the South and by your peers. It's not like it's a publication or, or it's Jeff Goodman's opinion per se, but it's actually your peers that voted uh, through a poll that he, he kind of initiated. So if you don't mind, touch on those couple things. Yeah, you know, first of all, the, the, the Goodman uh, uh, poll, you know, there's a lot of, lot of, lot of good coaches in, in our conference. And I think everybody that got recognized was deservingly so. Uh, it was, you know, I was humbled a little bit because it is, you know, voted on by your peers. But, you know, old guys, you know, we get, you know, we get free coffee. <laughs> you know, we get we get all these breaks on stuff. We get to park close to the arena. Jerry you know, sometimes, yeah. sometimes we get more votes in those polls or people. And I've been in the league a long time, but but it is humbling and and uh, and it. it Basically, it goes back to the people that you work for, for and with Scott Cross and and the staff that we had and the players that we had, Chris Ogden, the staff that we have and the players that we have. It's a, it's basically a, a a validation of who you work with and work for, and uh, so um, you know that that that's a that was a neat deal, and and I was very appreciative of it, and uh, but uh, it's more about our program, our culture, and the things we've done over the last twelve years. Uh, you know, going to work and, you know, coming back to UTA, like I sort of mentioned earlier, is a little hard. Uh, I knew Chris. We had a relationship, uh, as we all do in this business a little bit. Uh, we were not close, but we knew each other and spent time around each other, but never really just sat down and talked basketball. But we had really close mutual friends. And, then, uh, you know, the one that really mattered the most was Chris Beard. And, uh, you know, Chris – Chris and I have known each other a long time and had the same path and a little bit in some ways. And so Chris was the one that sort of instigated uh, my opportunity to be able to stay with, with Augie. And uh, then after I met with him and we, we, we had so much in common and uh, you know, and, and uh, it, 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 the transition was pretty smooth to be real honest. You know, it's always different going to work for somebody else uh, especially when you're working at the same place you've been working. <laughs> so it was a little, it was a little, uh, a little weird, but, it, but uh, you know, and you had loyalties to the people that you worked with before and feelings and, and, you know, you tried to, you know, you tried to, to, to distinguish between the, the you know, the hurt and knowing what's important. But I think the, the main thing was, you know, I just told my wife, you know, when I said, Hey, I'm, I'm going to focus on our players 
which we should be doing anyway, you know? And so it was a life lesson that, uh, you know, God's given me a lot of life lessons through my career. This was one is like, Hey, Greg, it's not all about you, chief, you know, focus on the players, focus on what's important, focus on what you really got into coaching for, um, focus on the reason you're in it, the, 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 you know, the successes and, and the, and the fun times and, you know, all those, it's all about the players and it goes back to Earl Diddle. It's not all about the players. It's just all about the players. And so, so I focused on our players and just invested in those guys because we had some guys returning that, you know, they needed to be loved on a little bit and reassured. And, and so I was able to help with that and recruited some players, you know, I had signed some players, uh, you know, with our previous staff that we were still bringing in. So, so that made it easy. And then Chris made it easy. You know, Chris, Chris allowed me to coach, and uh, you know Chris has got a great personality. He's a voice. He's a he's a he's a strong voice. Uh, he did put a plan together about what he wanted from our program from day one. It's talked about every day, uh, and I think you know that's why we had some success at first years because our returning guys bought into that, um, and he did a good job with with uh, with 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 those guys and, and with everybody getting everybody on the same page, and 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 embracing the successes that we had had before uh, and being, uh, you know, public about that. And now in year three, we think we have the best roster together. We, we, we feel like we, we are all on the same page and how we want to play and, and our, and our vocabulary and our verbiage and styles of play. And so we're really excited about this year, even, even in a pandemic, you know, because it's nothing's the same. Recruiting wasn't the same. The spring wasn't the same. Uh, you know, and then the things that have happened in our country, you know, which, you know, we say as coaches and you know this, you know, we, we tell our teams all the time is don't get complacent. Don't get complacent. Even when things are going good, you know, it's it's not very far from the penthouse to the outhouse. That's, that's what happened to us as a society. We got complacent. And there, there's some things, it, you know, with some social injustice that got brought to the forefront. Yep. And it's unfortunate that people had to lose their lives. That's what's unfortunate because some of those people are the same people that you and I could have coached. Yep. And uh, that's what hit home. That's what hit home for me. So all the things that have happened, you know, and, and look, I don't think all those things, you know, hopefully the results will be positive. And that's, uh, you know, that that's, you know, th- those will be the things that we'll hopefully can look back on and go, look, we, we got complacent as a country, as a society, you know, we, we got hit in the mouth and woke up and we got to make some changes. We, we, it, there's some things that have to change. Um, so just, you know, all the things that have happened, I'm as excited about coaching this year as I was 34 years ago. Um, and, and a lot of it is because I know I'm blessed to still have a job, yep. you know, because I get to do what I want to do every day. Uh, and, uh, and I'm going to not, for, I'm not going to forget that. And I think everybody that's coaching or getting to do what they want to do, and, and especially in college basketball, I, you know, I think we all sort of feel the same way. I think we all feel blessed that we get to still try to coach. There's, there's some hiccups. There's going to be some things that happen this year that are going to be different. We all know that. We've already experienced them. Most college programs have experienced them. But you just got to trust and adjust. You know, you have to be prepared to, to, to just move forward. So Yeah, just to be able to um... – have that perspective. We got humbled, you know, it's almost like getting a bad loss. You got, you started feeling yourself too much as a team that had yep. a streak. 
as a country. So I love that you touched on that. Um, and, and George Floyd actually was an athlete. He did play ball. Yeah, no, exactly. Could've, I mean, could have easily been somebody we coach. So uh, I love that. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's good for us to, I think like any adversity, we'll figure out who we are as a country and who, who we are as a people uh, and individuals. I think most of us have already figured out how to transform and become better and get our values back to where they probably should be with family and even how we spend our time. And we can't travel and be as crazy go-go as college coaches always are. And we actually have to slow down a little bit and have dinner with our families. And, you know, it, it's made us have to be present in, in the values that matter. So I love that you touched on that. I wanted to go into Coach Ogden before we kind of go back to your own story. Obviously, Coach Ogden was a really good player at Texas, uh, played at the highest level, played for Rick Barnes, then coached for Rick Barnes at Texas, then was at Tennessee with Rick Barnes, so he's got a pedigree. Then he was with Chris Beard, who, of course, he got to experience what they built there in Texas Tech. And so, uh, and of course, he has a presence. He's a personality. He's got charisma. He's got a knit factor. Uh, talk a little bit about what makes him special and what's enabled uh, you guys to kind of build it in a different way than build it the first time, but still being successful and have your best days come. Well, he is he is a, he is a very charismatic. He is a personality. Uh, going to the office every day is fun. You know, it, it's a laugh fest. Um, you know, he's worked for probably you know he's worked for obviously played for and worked for a Hall of Fame coaching Rick Barnes, no question about it. You know, obviously the, 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 the success that, that Chris has had at tech. And so, you know, I think, you know, it was hard a little bit and I've been there. We've been, I've been a head coach. You understand when you take over programs, I think it was hard to try to distinguish, you know, who you are when you've got these two big personalities that you played for, worked for, and they've both been successful, but they may be a little bit polar opposites. And so I think now he's, done a really good job and he's been very due diligent the pandemic and and being like you said not being able to travel not being on the go 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 being able to to spend some quality time and just talk just think about your team and your program I think he's found a a really good mix of both and uh, you know he's the guy that's the first guy practice every day he's the guy that's 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 the voice and 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 confident about what he's saying he's the guy that he and i now are saying the same things because we have a have a belief and and a collaboration of what we believe in and so um you know that that takes a little time and uh especially when you work for two big personalities like he worked for and coach barnes and uh and then chris beard and both of them are very successful but they may do things a little different and so um i think now that you know He's been through two seasons. He's been through 60 games. He's had some real success, had a little adversity. Adversity's not bad. Nobody's immune from adversity. Adversity's not a bad thing. You know, how do, how do you react to it? What do you do to become better? And, uh, you know, uh, he was great with how we handled recruiting in the spring. You know, we had no evaluation days. We couldn't get out. We couldn't see anybody in person. Couldn't bring anybody on visits. Uh, so, you know, you had to, we had to recruit because we had, we had positions to fill. We had needs to fill, you know, there's some things that we didn't do very good last year and we, we needed to fill those needs. And so through our relationships as a staff, you know, you know, like we all have in coaching is that we were, we felt like we were able to sign some really good players because the first time we met them was the first time they arrived on campus. 
You know, we may have Zoomed with them or FaceTimed around campus or, you know, watched them on video. But uh, Chris was great about being really due diligent about the people we signed and that every everybody that we signed, we had a relationship with them that maybe went two or three deep that we could check, recheck. And uh, and we filled some needs. And, you know, obviously now that we've had them on campus and we're coaching them, you know, I feel that that we've uh, we've got the best roster that we've had since we've been here. And, I, and you know, a lot of that, uh, you know, uh, is, is because Chris made sure that we had it. And that was what Scott was so good about, too, is that Scott was so competitive, you know, in, in a good way. He was so competitive in recruiting. It's like he was going to make sure <laughs> that we were going to have good, you know, we were going to do our due diligence in recruiting. And, uh, you know, and and, and so – Augie did the same thing this year. You know, he, he dived into that part of it, as you know, as the lifeblood of your program. And uh, he was the head of it. And, and I think that's the way it's got to be. And thus, I think, I think we're going to reap the, the benefits of that. Yeah, you guys have such a staff uh, dynamic with, you know, having uh, Coach Johnson, who's there from the Dallas area and is deeply connected. Um, and, um, yeah, I think the part when you have a head coach who invests in recruiting, I think it goes so far, right? It, it's, it's, you can't replace yeah. it. Even if your yeah. staff relationships are great and strong, uh, when you have a Coach Cross early in your days at UTA that's invested and competitive in recruiting, uh, it makes a difference. And then when you have a Coach Ogden who has, like you said, the track record as a player working for these uh, high-level coaches and high-level programs at the highest level, uh, coaching pros, recruiting pros, uh, he has all that to sell. And so then and he has a relationship with Kevin Durant. You know, you guys have social media. You guys have done a good job of showing Kevin Durant sitting courtside in you guys' gym. Uh, Coach Ogden is is kind of one of those guys in this new wave of how players want to be communicated to and how they need to be connected to. Um, he, he brings kind of a different element. So, Definitely love to hear that he's invested in that that way. I'm not surprised at all. He's always been great at recruiting. Uh, but when you're a head coach, you have so much on your plate. So uh, figuring out all the dynamics of how to adjust in that role, it sounds like that's happening for him and it's the perfect storm. So uh, talk about junior college. We'll go back to just your, your, your time now. What makes you love the junior college level? What did you love about it? We got to give our shout out to JUCO, so we'll give a special. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm a JUCO. I'm still a JUCO guy at heart. You know, I, I, there's no question about it. When you know, even at UTA, I mean, that was the one thing that um, you know when I got the job that Scott wanted me to do that they really hadn't done. Yeah, they were done. Never, they yeah had it, it is uh, is start recruiting junior college players, and there was there was reasons why it wasn't anything that they were doing wrong. But uh, you know, we started signing some really good junior college players and. We signed Brad Gay at Tyler, and we signed Bo Ingram from South Plains and played on champ. You know, those guys both won championships. And so, you know, we've always had junior college players on our roster at UT Arlington. Um, you know, I've been very fortunate to be able to to, to continue to recruit, and we still and we do today. And uh, I don't, those guys were just my heroes. You know, I mean, they were just, you know, those were those were the guys, the junior college coaches that I met and watched and observed in my formative years of being a coach mm-hmm. as a J- JV coach at Texas Westland, as the assistant at Eastern New Mexico. And those were the guys I wanted to be. I wanted to be 
you know, Lewis Orr. I wanted to be, uh, you know, Steve Green. I wanted to be, I wanted to be those guys because I thought they really, you know, they got to coach ball, man. You know, you're, you're scrimmaging in October. You're, you're got five scrimmages. You play all these games, uh, you know, uh, before Christmas and you get that Juco break and then you get to go recruit and then you get to bring them back. You know, it was just, that was who I wanted to be. And then, you know, then you go to Hutch and you see the national junior college tournament and then you really fall in love with junior college basketball. Right. And, uh, and just all the great players and the great coaches and the lineage of coaches that have been successful at the highest level uh, in college basketball and the roots for junior college coaches. And, uh, you know, I played with junior college players in college, but really didn't know until I started coaching. And so it just that in reality, that was who I really wanted to be. And so when I left Texas State and went to Jacksonville, I thought that's what I would be the rest of my career and what is going to was going to be completely happy doing it. I was the athletic director and junior college coach, head coach at, at, at Jacksonville. And that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to, I wanted to be a junior college coach because those are the people that in my formative years of coaching, as I said, that, man, I just thought they had the best deal ever. And so I sort of got caught up in the journey of that, you know, instead of the destination of college basketball, because, you know, the people that are my peers and, and that, you know, the Buzz Williams, who even is younger than me, but we were really close in our, you know, careers as they began. And to see what he's done, he's done an unbelievable job and evolved. And, and you know, obviously is one of the, the best college basketball coaches in the country. And then Chris Beard and, you know, the paths that we took and we're on similar paths and talked about working for each other. And now the things that he's done at Texas Tech and, you know, even Steve Forbes and I were junior college coaches at the same time. And, you know, all these different guys and, and the successes that they've had. But I sort of got caught up in the journey more than the destination of being a JUCO coach. I liked it. Like I liked, I liked living in uh, Hillsborough. Uh, you know, I liked living in Jacksonville. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, I even liked living in Lamar. And, uh, you know, so I, I, I don't know. It was just one of those deals that I, I thought I was doing – what I was called to do a little bit. And uh, um, so if it hadn't been UTA and it hadn't have been Scott Cross at that particular time, um, you know, and, and this sort of this, the synergy and the relationship that we built, I probably would be a junior college coach right now. I hope, you know, because that's what I love doing. And, and I look back on those days uh, as fond as I do uh, um, any days of coaching and you'll hear junior college players say it all the time, you know, because you, you coach junior college players. They'll come to a Division One school. That's their goal. It should be their goal, you know, to get that degree, to be able to fulfill dreams. But they'll always tell you, man, my JUCO days were the best days. Yep. My JUCO days. Well, I'm just telling you, as a coach, my JUCO days were best days, too. They were great days. Not that these days aren't good. Not that the experience isn't different. But there is something about uh, having that chip on your shoulder, about – being in being in places you can parachute in, but you can't parachute out of, you right. know those, you know just those places that uh, that that all us JUCO guys sort of understand what it's about. Yeah, it's almost the the, the best training ground to really get you to understand. Well, not only what basketball is about, but you just get all the other stuff out of the way. It's the, it's the right. level. Uh, no politics. It's just like everybody's grit and grime, eating sack lunches, riding on a bus. 
figuring it out, uh, overcoming the adversity of the day. Uh, you got a two-person staff with maybe a manager, and you're just – everybody's close, everybody's in it together, and ultimately, you know, you have some of the most competitive games because it feels like there's so much more at stake. You know, right. so more guys are wanting to prove and uh, guys are really wanting to change. And, and the closeness of your teams, I just – I don't know if you can make that at the other levels no. because of the environment that JUCO kind of provides. So I, I think it's just – you know, I'm, I have such a heart for that level, and I think it doesn't get enough love. So I had to kind of dive into that real quick. You know, Lamar, uh, just one quick JUCO story. You know, my, that was my first job in Lamar, Colorado. And there's been some really good coaches that have come through Lamar. Ronnie Dean was before me. Chris Bauman was there. Chris Tilt done a good, did a great job. Uh, uh, Ryan had just left and, and went to uh, – uh, you know, New Mexico State. And, um, you know, so there's been some guys who've done a really good job at Lamar. But when I got the job, I had no assistant, you know, so it was just me. And so I did everything. I ran study hall. I mopped the floor. I washed the clothes. I picked the guys up for practice. I I made sure who was keeping the book. You know, that was the most stressful thing is who's I, who am I going to have keep the book and the clock tonight and then a shot clock. And then, you know, then I was trying to do promotions and recruit. And, and uh, so, you know, I, I needed some help and I really didn't know how to go about it because I needed some managers. You know, managers are right. gold in junior college basketball, man. I mean, they're gold, and the, but they're hard to find. And so uh, there was a carnival in town. Uh, in Lamar, you know, and there was a guy doing a uh, one of those spinning rides. And I was I was dating my wife now, and uh, she says, "Let's get on this ride." And this guy was starting this ride with a cigarette, like the spark of the cigarette. I'm like, "Okay, we're fixing to die." But uh, so I get off the ride, and I had this Lamar Community College shirt on. He goes, "Hey, uh, are you are, are you the coach there?" And I said, "Yeah." And he goes. Man, I'd love to go to school and help with basketball. I'm like, really? I go, you're hired. I hired him as my manager. <laughs> From starting starting the ride with a cigarette on a carnival ride, he was my manager for a year. Did, it was an unbelievable job. You know, we got him in school and got him off the road and and uh, as a carny. And so, you know, it was just those are JUCO stories, man. Just, away, man. Yeah, those are JUCO oh, stories that you just had to survive. You had to figure it out. And uh, your players had to figure it out. And they, you know, they would get close. Now, the fights were fights. You know, it's like a family. You know, you're so close. You know, the fights were going to be real, but the closeness and the bonds were going to be real, too. And so, you know, I think most guys, players and coaches have been a part of it. Uh, look back at, and, and, and those relationships will be lifelong relationships for sure. Oh, no question. Because of what you go through, because and it's in its own way, it's, just, it's formative years no matter what. Right, yep. for the players for the coaches, and you're kind of you're on a stage because people come to see you play and they recruit you, but you're not on a stage. You know, you're kind of really off, out of sight, out of mind. So yeah. you kind of get to almost go in this place and develop and go through this grit and grime and and uh, all these different stories that we all have now. But when you go through that with those people you go through with, I mean, you, you have a different kind of bond than, than you would anywhere else. Uh, so you talked about Buzz Williams a little bit, your relationship with him. He obviously started in Juco at, at Navarro. Uh, same with Chris Beard. He's a Juco guy, came up through the ranks. Um, you talked about, you mentioned Forbes. Those are guys you kind of came up through the ranks. Obviously, you're working for a great head coach now who's been coach of the year. Coach Cross was great. Uh, and you've been recognized as a number one assistant uh, by your peers in your conference. 
So I can say this. You don't have to say this. I believe you'll be a head coach again at the Division One level. What is kind of maybe the approach that you would have now after being a junior college uh, head coach and having success, after being an associate head coach for two different really successful coaches there at UTA and helping that program be uh, one of the best mid-major programs around, what would be your approach differently maybe or what have you learned that maybe you would do differently when blessed with that opportunity? Of course, I'm saying it. You don't have to say it. Uh, but when you do have that opportunity, what do you see yourself doing or how would you be or what would kind of be what you would set out to accomplish? Well, you know, I think the thing that, that we all get caught up in when we are in the business side of it, trying to reach or attain that certain goal, a head coaching position, you know, we, we, we forget about like, I've, and I've mentioned it before, we forget about the play. I think you have to invest in your players. I think, you know, it's like a big puzzle. You know, there's this huge puzzle of all the pieces that get shook up. And sometimes we make a mistake of, of public relations or the, the being in the community is the biggest piece of the puzzle. And it becomes the centerpiece of the puzzle. And the other parts become the, you know, the outside of the puzzle and, and we lose a piece of it. We don't think it's that important. And in reality, the most important part and the centerpiece are your student athletes. And I, and I think that's, you know, that's just who I am. That's what I believe. And then all the other, you know, ancillary parts of the puzzle, you know, the promotions and, 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 and how you are in the community and the social media and obviously recruiting as part of players, um, but how you design practice and how you play and style of play, all that stuff are all outside players. So I think, you know, you have to invest in your student athletes first. You, they, they have to know that you are sincerely there for them. And, uh, you know, that's what I would tell anybody that was, you know, uh, wanting to be a head coach at any level um, is, look, it, it's, it's, it's players first, man. It's all about the players. It's all about those student athletes. It's not – just about the wins and losses will take care of itself if yep. you take care of the players. Uh, now, look, we all know there's a thousand things that go into that. We all know that you, you have to have a good staff. You have to you have to to operate with integrity. You have to be a good steward of what you do with 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 what's given to you from the institution that you're working for. Uh, hopefully, you know those things are ingrained in who I am. That wouldn't be something that. You know, that would be already who I am. But 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 the most important thing would be the players and and how we prepare those players for whatever the next level must be. Now, every player that we have at UT Arlington, most every player wants to play professional basketball. And that's part of their uh, that's part of the plan that we want to help them with, you know, is that we want to prepare them for that. Uh but the, the only way to do that is you got to really tell people the truth. And, and sometimes people don't want to hear the truth. I don't like hearing the truth sometimes, but, you, you know, it makes them better people if you really tell them the truth. And they have to have an action plan in order to attain the goals that they want to go to attain, whether it's academically, whether it's to be a professional player. And so, you know, I think for the most part at UT Arlington, and this was, you know, evolved, you know, is that we were able to really tell the truth. Uh, to our players to try to put them in a position that, uh, uh, in order to attain the goals that they wanted to attain from a basketball standpoint, but also from an academic standpoint. Uh, and, and I think the best way to do that is we tried to tell the truth. 
and we continue to do that. And so, uh, you know, those are the things that I think are important about a program. Look, we all get tugged away, you know, as, as head coaches, you know, you, you know, we all get asked to do things we really don't want to do. Um, you know, I, I think the, the guys that are successful are in the gym with their players, man. I think they're in the gym with their players. I think they're trying to get their players better. I think they're invested in their, uh, 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 you know, their development as a player. They're, you know, they're the guys that are overseeing their what's going on in the gym. They're the guys that are overseeing uh, what's going on every day with, with what they're doing in the gym. So uh, I, I think the other pieces of the puzzle you have to fit. But I think if you can keep the players the centerpiece, um, then then I think at least you have a you're you're building something on solid ground. Absolutely, absolutely. Well said, coach. And you will be uh, as you have been everywhere you've been. You'll be successful when that time comes. I know you'll uh, continue to be successful where you are. That's who you are. You're, you're not focused on that. You're focused where your feet are. So definitely don't want. Anybody get that misinterpreted, uh, but when that opportunity comes, because it's going to come, you're going to do great things. So uh, last we like to end, this has been great today. Appreciate you being on. Uh, we'll give two last kind of closing things. We like to ask about legacy. You know, you talked about it a lot through your story. Uh, what do you hope that your legacy is? What do you kind of set out as you're waking up every day and, and driving yourself um, other than you talked about serving. So anything that you want to touch on, that you want to be a part of your legacy, uh, let, let's kind of dive into that one as this last question. Yeah, that that's a great question. I, I think we probably should all ask ourselves that question. All right. Or have somebody that's, uh, you know, an accountability partner ask you that question. Um, yeah. I, I, I said it a little bit before, but I hope my legacy is that, it's more than wins and losses. Um, you know, easy to say. I know it's cliche a little bit, but I hope I hope my legacy uh, as as a as a coach, as a father, as a husband, as a dad, uh, as a brother. I hope it's just more than just basketball and wins and losses, um, you know, because, uh, you know, there's so much more, you know, the relationships that you make with people. Um, you know, when you're out of it and you have a little adversity and, or, you know, you get fired and you, you're not for sure what you're doing and what's going to happen next. That's what you miss the most. You miss the relationships and you miss the competitive nature of what you do. But you miss those relationships with your, your coaching fraternity or the people you work with or the players. And so, you know, I hope my legacy is that, look, I'm, I've, uh, you know, I'm not perfect, obviously, but I hope that 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 I've been able to be impactful uh, to people that I've been around, that I've worked with, worked for, that have played for me, and that I continue to do that, that I'm more focused on that than anything else uh, that I do in the business, and uh, that uh, that I'm remembered for more than the wins and the losses, you know. And, you know, sometimes it's easy, well, you hadn't won a lot. Well, I won a lot more, you know, than I've lost. We probably all have to a certain extent. Um, right. So, um, you know, uh, I, I want to be remembered like I remember the people that I look up to. Right. Man, that, that guy was a ball coach, but he was even a better person. That's the legacy that I would like for people to, you know, hey, you know, GY, man, he was a ball coach. He's even a better guy. He's even a better guy. And uh, so hopefully, you know, I can continue to work on that and be pruned and get better at that for sure. 
Yeah, so I said this before. You know, we met back uh, back in the day with Anthony Smith, and you've continued to get better since I met you then, and I think it will continue to happen that way. But I'll say for your legacy, you've already done that with the people I know that have played for you, uh, the people I know that have worked with you, and you've definitely done it with me. So I had to have you here today, man, so more people can know the behind the scenes and the all access to GY. And, uh, yeah, we'll just let you have your closing thoughts on anything you want to share to end. And appreciate so much you coming on, man. I'm so excited for uh, UTA and what you're doing there continually and, and Coach Ogden and Coach Coach Johnson and everybody there. Um, just excited for, you know, that's that's home for me too. Dallas is home. So you're sure. the hometown guy. So uh, excited to have you on today, man. So so uh, honored that you would come on and share and take the time. So, yeah, just let you have the floor to, to close it out. Well, I mean, first of all, thanks. You know, obviously, you know, I, I feel the same way about you. Uh, um, and and any young coaches or guys that I've been around, it, it's fun to keep that relationship. Even though we may be do, do, doing different things, you know, those relationships are important. But uh, uh, yeah, just let's let's keep focused on 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 the things. You know, let's keep the the main thing, the main thing. Uh, let's keep let's keep focused on players. I think we're going to have a, a college basketball season. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be different. Uh, I, I know we all want it. Uh, you know, we're going to have to trust and adjust, and and uh, and hopefully uh, we'll get through this season. And then, uh, you know, uh, coaches need to continue to help coaches. You know, we got to continue to help each other. Um, you know, I get it. You know, we're going to line up on you know Thursday and Saturday or whenever we play, and we're you know, our competitive nature, that's what makes us who we are. But man, we got to continue to help each other. And, uh, and we gotta, we've got to be an advocate for each other. And, uh, and we've got to, we've got to, you know, there, there's a generation of young coaches coming up that, you know, we, uh, you know, we can't leave a legacy of doing what shouldn't be done and not that that's happening, but we need to, we need to be mentors and we need to help, help young coaches and we need to put our egos away uh, at times, include me. And uh, we, we need to, we need to s celebrate the successes and, uh, and learn to uh, learn to make sure that the next generation of college coaches, coaches in general are prepared to take care of the main thing, which is those student athletes and players. So appreciate you having me on brother, miss seeing you and uh, look forward to seeing you again soon, hopefully. Yeah, look forward to it too, Coach. Look forward to it too. Thanks so much, man. Enjoy the rest of your day and uh, good luck this season. And you know, we'll be connected. You, you're, you're stuck with me whether you like it or not. So, yeah, that's, that's a good thing. Thanks so much, man. All right. Take care, Brian. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the All Access Network. Be sure to follow, share, and stay connected with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Subscribe and hit that notification bell on our YouTube channel. And don't forget to write your story, leave your mark, and create your legacy.